0: Hi, I'm Tony Ryans, and you're listening to the Chain Reaction Podcast, all about supply chain advantage. This is the news roundup. All things impacting global supply chains this week. In the roundup this week, inflation and energy costs are still on the rise. The US Fed raises interest rates, Intel and MediaTek have reached an agreement. Russia attacked. Odessa just hours after signing an agreement to let grain sail out of Odessa. Gazprom has cut supplies again despite reopening Nord Stream 1. Asian gasoline prices tumble. Grubhub strikes a deal with Amazon Prime. Amazon is raising the price of Prime in Europe by a in the United Kingdom, that's 12.5% thereabouts, and elsewhere in Europe, it's much higher. Subscription services will be the first, of course, to be cut by consumers, and Boeing cash flows are under pressure until 2023. Unilever's raised its prices of food 11%, and ammonia production is cut in Germany by BASF. So those are just some of the things coming up, along with the IMF Global Report and the lack of transparency in public procurement contracts. I came across a very interesting article in Nature this week, and it was about GM rice producers. Researchers have given rice a 40% yield boost by introducing a second copy of a single gene. This gene is known as OSDREB. 1c. It encodes proteins that control other genes involved in photosynthesis and nitrogen use and it tweaks the genetically modified rice, improves photosynthesis to speed up flowering and it helps the plants absorb nitrogen more efficiently and this results in larger more abundant grains. Researchers say that the same yield boost could be accomplished by editing the plant's own genes. This process tends to be more lightly regulated and perhaps is more palatable to some consumers than transgenic engineering. Sounds quite interesting. So genetically modified foods may not be something to be shunned and turned away, but they might actually provide greater benefits to feed more people. So it's worth weighing up the pros and cons before dismissing these things out of hand. Intel Corporation has said it's going to produce the Taiwanese media tech chip. Taiwan's MediaTek is one of the biggest chip design firms. The manufacturing arrangement is one of the most significant deals that Intel has announced since launching its so-called foundry business early last year. The foundry business builds chips for other companies which they design. Currently, Taiwan's Semiconductor Manufacturing Corporation is the top player in that field. Intel has mainly built chips that it designed itself, so... Oh, that was announced on July the 25th. It sounds an interesting arrangement, really. It'll boost the output, perhaps, of chips, providing they can get hold of the materials to build them. There's some doubt in the industry whether the foundry business is a good idea, but the deal with media tech is to stave off those critics, and hopefully it'll attract more investment by doing so. Of course, there are risks with design firms going to foundries because... It's about two years of work for a chip design firm like MediaTek to bring something to market. And if the foundry can't produce it as it was designed, then of course that's got implications for the designer more than the producer. So it's a bigger risk, I think, for the designer than it is for the producer. There's no information on the quantity of these chips, how many will be made. MediaTek said it's part of its multi-sourcing strategy. You might remember that Russia signed a deal to allow Ukrainian grain to sail out of Black Sea ports and onto destinations in the rest of the world. Well, depressingly, it was no more than a few hours that passed and Russia fired cruise missiles into Odessa, destroying any hope that that deal might have had. This week, Gazprom has announced that by cutting supplies in the Nord Stream 1 channel, that supplies European gas. So, last week we said that was good news because the pipeline had opened just as we closed the edition, but now, already, they're cutting supplies. Gazprom has cut gas supplies altogether to Bulgaria, Denmark, Finland, the Netherlands and Poland. This is over a refusal to pay for the gas in rubles instead of euros or dollars. Russia supplied about 40% of EU gas last year. The European Union has been concerned for some time on how to reduce gas. The UK, meanwhile, imports just 5% of its gas from Russia. UK natural gas was trading at around 350 pence a therm on Tuesday, a level not seen since early March, and that's because of the uncertainty over Russian supplies. UK energy bills rose by £700 in April, and they're expected to rise again in October. The typical household bill will be about £3,200 a year. The EU, of course, will have to do something to move away from its reliance on Russia. It doesn't look that this is going to be resolved anytime soon. I did read an article about Russia complaining about the sanctions against the country, saying it was making it difficult for them to get parts to carry out the maintenance on the pipeline. And they mentioned that some of those parts come from Canada. But really, the amount of misinformation. It's like the boy who cried wolf. No one believes Russia anymore. Asian gasoline margins have plunged more than 102% in July to a discount of 14 cents a barrel to Brent crude after hitting a record premium price of $38.05 a barrel in June. Refinitive data showed. They're also at the lowest for this time of the year since at least 2000. Now that might be some good news for consumers who have been suffering with high gasoline prices. It may also give some respite to logistics companies with the price of diesel. Asian refining margins are now down to 88 cents a barrel. Dubai crude fell to a record $30.49 in June. Chinese state refiners are expected to raise refinery runs in August and September to increase exports to lower high domestic stocks after receiving new quotas. India's gasoline exports could rise by 15,000 to 20,000 barrels per day, bringing August and September exports to an average of 260,000 barrels per day. So it looks like outputs rising as well elsewhere. This sudden Fall in global gasoline prices is not a moment too soon because I've reported on previous editions of Chain Reaction that there's been some profiteering in this industry taking place for some time. So perhaps it's payback time. Just Eat Takeaways have hiked restaurant commission across Europe and they've cut jobs in France. Uber Eats has quit Brazil and Britain's Deliveroo has exited from Spain. There's been speculation for weeks now that the food delivery market will come under pressure in the coming months as consumers tighten the belts and haven't got the money to spend on home delivery food. They'll be looking for lower cost options. Grubhub has struck a deal with Amazon earlier in the month offering their prime customers a year's free delivery and as a result shares in rivals have slumped. They're trying to Capture the market so that they can survive this difficult period. Amazon announced this week that it's raising its prime subscription rate in the United Kingdom by a pound. That takes it from £7.99 to £8.99 a month. This is an above inflation price rise. It's around 12.5%, and inflation is currently running at 9.4%. So, significant rise on the part of Amazon. Amazon says it has higher operating costs, which it probably does. Inflation is at a 40-year high. It's the first price rise, Amazon said, in the United Kingdom since 2014. Amazon said the new pricing would begin from September. Or at the customer's next membership renewal date, whichever happens first, the move comes when many households are looking to cut back on spending with the price of goods rising. so it'd be interesting to see how many customers leave Amazon prime as a result of the increase in price. It's something that's easily cut. Many people will probably accept the hike because they like prime, but it'd be interesting to watch the space. One thing I do notice about prime is that quite often when you click through the orders on the Amazon system, they try to package Prime into the order to offer free delivery. Now that can be a good thing for consumers because they can save money if they buy a lot of goods during the year from Amazon. And they can get fast free delivery. But you have to be careful if you don't want it not to sign up because it's a little misleading around the checkout area. And I think Amazon should correct that and make it very clear that you're signing up to Prime. There could be consumers that don't know they've actually signed up to Prime when they've placed an order, and they might find unwittingly that they are members of Prime. One suggestion I did see from people online suggesting that you could save money by signing up to Prime before the price increase in September, and that way you could save £12 a year. So if you want it, that's something to think about. But of course, if you want to claw back £108 a year by dropping Prime altogether, then that's an option too. We've already heard about other subscription services losing customers in the face of growing concerns about inflation. Netflix, of course, had started to shed customers prior to this, and many customers have cut back their subscription to Netflix. And other TV subscriber services too are under pressure. It will be interesting to watch during the next few months how consumers react to the biting inflation that's taking hold. If you can't afford groceries, then you probably certainly won't be putting items in your basket which are not necessary. I read an article at the weekend in the Financial Times that said there were concerns from the insurance industry about people cutting their home insurance as a result of inflation. Now that would be a very bad move, I think. The US Federal Reserve raises interest rates by three quarters of one percent. This is to stem inflationary pressures. Janet Yellen, US Secretary to the Treasury, said in the last week that she didn't think that the US economy was showing inflationary signs. Other economists think differently. The recession in the United States might not be as bad as in Europe, but there are still emerging signs that there will be recession. It's unlikely that the United States will escape the global inflationary pressures. Reuters reported that Boeing was pushing back its objective of positive cash flow for 2022 to 2023. And the reason for this supply chain disruptions. You'll remember in last week's news roundup I reported on the problems in the aircraft industry and it's because of those difficulties that Boeing has said it doesn't expect positive cash flows until 2023. It was reported in the last week that Unilever had pushed up its prices across the board by an average of 11% It hasn't seen any consumer resistance to the price increases, but this is higher than inflation currently, and it's due to operating costs. Unilever owns brands such as Marmite, Vaseline, Pot Noodle, Dove Soap, and Magnum Ice Cream, to name but a few. It has a turnover of nearly 30 billion euros, about 25 billion pounds, and that was up about 15% in the first half of the year. Volumes across Unilever dropped by 1.6%. So the value's gone up through the prices, but the volumes have dropped. Be interesting to see if those prices can hold. BASF in Germany said it was cutting ammonia production as a consequence of the reduction in gas supply from Russia. This is likely to impact fertiliser production and fizzy drink production, amongst other things. It's the season that many company reports... Are issued. And this week, one that caught my eye was the earnings per share fall at Walmart reported in New York. And there was a fall of 10% in the share price on the news that the earnings per share was down 13%. This is 80 cents less than analysts were expecting. Walmart, of course, accounts for about 10% of retail sales, all retail sales in the United States and employs about 1.6 million people directly. Walmart said it had $61 billion of inventory at the end of April, and that's compared to $44 billion at the beginning of 2020. So these higher inventories are taking their toll. And this, of course, is probably in part due to the resilience aspect of supply chains trying to stem the disruption and probably holding more just-in-case inventory than was needed. And of course, consumer buying habits have changed. Consumers are now buying more food, which generates lower margins, and that trend could stick, especially with the inflationary pressures about, so less of the higher-value, higher-profit items. The gross margin is effectively around 25%. Clothing merchandise, it was reported at other companies such as Gap, is around 35%, and H&M about 50%. Walmart's picked up market share in food, according to chief executive Doug McMillan, which is causing its rivals' problems. So what we're seeing is US consumers changing some of their buying habits as a consequence of inflation. The higher food prices has meant that they're unlikely to spend as much on clothing, and they're likely to cut prices, so there'll be some discounting going on in stores to maintain cash flows and claw back some profitability from all those inventories that they hold. So there might be some bargains for consumers there, if they've got the cash to buy them. The International Monetary Fund said this week it expected the UK's economy to lag behind other major economies in 2023. UK GDP Is now only forecast to rise by 0.5% next year and only Russia is expected to do worse. The IMF warned that the global economy is very fragile and it could tip into recession. It forecast global GDP will slow to 3.2% in 2022 from a previous forecast of 3.6% back in April. World GDP actually contracted in the second quarter due to downturns both in China and Russia. Chief Economist of the IMF, Pierre-Olivier Gurinchas, said the outlook had darkened significantly since April. And he mentioned that consumers, of course, have been hit by rising food and energy costs. Inflation is anticipated to rise by 6.6% in advanced economies. That's nearly one percentage point higher than the previous forecasts. Of course, the only thing we can say about this is that the environment is extremely volatile and there's lots of uncertainty about In the United Kingdom there's a report out by MPs in Parliament which discusses the lack of transparency over £770 million worth of Covid contracts. It says in a report that the record-keeping of ministers, meetings and business lobbying for lucrative contracts for Covid testing were woefully inadequate. And it doesn't actually say cronyism, but that's the implication. Lots of cronyism went on with contracts awarded. To people they knew, so due process wasn't followed. And the public sector always prides itself on following due process when it comes to procurement. But these normal procurement arrangements were bypassed. Companies that were mentioned, Randox, struggled to deliver the expected level of testing capacity. But within six months, they had a second contract, very lucrative, worth £328 million without competition. There was no analysis or examination of profit margins that these companies were making, and Randox apparently enjoyed a hundredfold increase in its profitability in 2021. So it looks likely that the government contracts were a major contributor to their profitability. The MPs found that the health department only reported four of the eight meetings between ministers and Randox properly and only kept minutes of two. Well, severe lack of transparency is a problem there by the looks of it. And that can be a a serious issue in the use of public money to procure those goods. Of course, the two people involved in those discussions now, Matt Hancock, who was an MP at the time, he was the Minister for Health, and Owen Patterson, who was a consultant with Randox, He resigned in November 2021, the reports very critical of the arrangements. It was reported this week that drug maker Merck & Co. has avoided billions of dollars of US tax in recent years on its top-selling cancer drug, Keytruda. This is because it was able to move its profits offshore, according to an ongoing investigation by Democrats on the Senate Finance Committee. Now, one of the other things that's been happening in the past week or two in the United Kingdom is rail strikes. And they're still ongoing. There's no settlement in sight. Many think the government are dragging their feet on this one. And it's causing disruption to rail passenger transport and to some freight. There are other strikes looming too. BT staff walk out in strike over pay. And there are threats from other unions that they too could be balloting members on strike action. So the strikes are all to do with pay, and that's going to come under severe pressure as inflation bites and reduces consumer spending with the price of energy rising, fuel costs to get to work, and food. All those things rising will make workers more vociferous about achieving a settlement that's above inflation. Now lots of companies these days claim to be green, and they like to show off the shiny green credentials. But here's something that's quite interesting that I came across in the last week. The UK competition watchdog is investigating ASOS, Boohoo, and ASDA over claims about the sustainability of the fashion products. And if they have made misleading claims, then the Competition and Markets Authority, the CMA, said it wouldn't hesitate to take action. Vague languages are often a culprit, when collections are said to be greener than they actually are, or providing inaccurate information about products on websites and so on. The CMA's move is part of an ongoing investigation into what's known as greenwashing, when firms brand something as sustainable when it clearly isn't. And it follows a number of concerns about the way companies' products are being marketed as eco-friendly when they're actually not. Back in January, concerns about potentially misleading claims, including companies making broad statements about the use of recycled material in new clothing, with little or no information about providing evidence for those claims, was noted. Often the statements are too vague, too broad, and just designed to be a public relations exercise to show the company in a better light. Collections such as those Responsible Edit from ASOS and Ready for the Future from Boohoo and George for Good at ASDA are claiming to be greener than they actually are. So that's what we mean by greenwashing. Some of the products contain small amounts of recycled fabric. It might be lower than 20%, which is misleading to the public who think that when they buy them, they're helping the planet. Sarah Cardell, who's the interim chief executive of the Competition Markets Authority, said that people who want to buy green should be able to do so confidently and not be misled. So when you go out shopping next week and you see labels for the fashion products that you want, just think, are they really green or is it greenwashing? Well that's it for this news roundup, but just before I go, don't forget... Catch up on the episodes that you've missed. The Embedded Resource Economy was the recent edition. Take a listen to that. I think you'll find it interesting. And of course, as always, follow us on LinkedIn, Facebook and Twitter. I'm Tony Hines. I'm signing off. I'll see you next time. Bye for now. You've been listening to the Chain Reaction Podcast, presented, written and produced by Tony Hines. here to tell you about the chain reaction podcast all about supply chain advantage